Hey, listeners of the Bio Report, I want to tell you about a new member benefit from the California Technology Council. CTC has teamed with Reprovada to offer members six months of Reprovada's COT Network service for free, which gives companies the power of a VPN at a fraction of the cost. A remote, flexible workforce is the new normal, but most corporate networks aren't built to accommodate work from home at scale. Reprovada's COT Network offers an easily deployable, affordable, and scalable solution to securely enable remote workers and protect the corporate network. To learn more about this and other member benefits, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. MindMotion Go is a first-of-its-kind mobile neurorehabilitation therapy system that helps people regain motor and task functions through a gamified approach. While the game-playing aspects of the technology may help engage patients in activities designed to help them recover from brain injury, the technology is validated by clinical studies and has won regulatory clearances. It should not be confused with conventional video games. We spoke to John Krakauer, Chief Medical Advisor for MindMaze, about neurorehabilitation, how MindMotionGo works, and the benefits of being able to move neurorehabilitation out of medical centers to treat patients in their homes. John, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. We're going to talk about Mind Motion Go neurorehabilitation and, and the role gamification can play in improving outcomes for patients. Let's start with Mind Motion Go itself, though. What exactly is it? Right. So, Mind Motion Go is, is one of the platforms produced by MindMaze. Um, and it was specifically designed to be a sort of technological upgrade and assist to physical therapists. That's the way to think about it. Um, and it is, um, as, as you say, a, a gamified platform, um, which allows patients to interact with their therapists via a set of games on a screen, uh, which are then, and the movements are picked up by a camera. What has been used mostly is in the Connect camera. Uh, you know that probably from uh, Microsoft. And so essentially, you should see it as. Um, a camera picking up the movements of the patient while they play games projected onto the screen uh, with a computer present as well so that the therapist can program in the games, change their levels, uh, watch the patient play, and record their movements for subsequent analysis and for follow-up. And how, how does it work? What's, what does the patient do to use this? So the, the, the patient will stand... Uh, um, in front or sit in front of a screen, uh, their movements will be picked up by a camera. And then there's 27 games that they can be picked from. Usually they're picked by the therapist and those games will um, 
consist of games for the upper body and the lower body. And basically the standard movements and strategies that therapists have used for time immemorial have now been turned into a quantifiable gameable form uh, that the patient can play. So for example, the patient can be a little octopus, which is on the screen in a water channel, and then they can crouch up and down and each up and down crouching movement they make will lead to a thrust of the little octopus as it goes up the water channel, for example. So it's essentially bringing gamification, quantification and standardization onto the repertoire of treatments that therapists have always had. And from a neurological point of view, what's happening to someone who's using it? Well, I think it's very important um, to sort of take a step back and you should ask that question as what's happening to a patient when they're getting regular therapy, right? And, you know, we feel like what is happening during regular therapy is that patients are learning to use what they have left after the damage to optimize their movements and retrain. And what this game is doing is upping the efficiency um, of that approach. So I think the way to think about it is, for example, you know, you lose your right arm, you learn how to write with your left arm, that's called compensation. Uh, now think about doing that within the arm, just getting better with what you have left. And so it's a kind of motor learning that this platform is encouraging. Uh, in patients. And they also probably do a little bit more than motor learning, depending on when they get this treatment. If you get it very early after your stroke, you can actually probably get some reversal of your deficit. Um, and this allows you to practice in that setting as well. But see it as a kind of training device uh, for motor learning after brain injury. What are the range of conditions it's intended to treat? I think to the degree that therapists around the world are fairly generalized in who they look after, and there's a considerable overlap in the set of movements and techniques that they use, that this platform, although it's been specifically designed as a neurological platform uh, and was originally devised for patients after stroke, that means in the neurological domain, it can be used in spinal cord injury, brain injury, um, and probably extend into other conditions like multiple sclerosis and Parkinson's disease. Um, and at Hopkins, it's being used uh, for orthopedics and may even be used for cardiac patients. So it's quite general in so much that therapists are used to treating many different kinds of patients after surgery, after injury. So I think quite general. Does this replace something that's done as part of traditional neurorehabilitation, or is it something that's additive? So that's a very good question. So the Mind Motion Go in particular has been considered something that the therapist during their regular sessions would use. In other words, you could imagine it being like an ophthalmologist who now has an ophthalmoscope to use when they see a patient, right? There was a time when there were no ophthalmoscopes. And so you should see this as an upgrade, a sort of R2-D2 for the therapist that can you know, provide data, quantification, gamification, and just make your job better. Right? That's the way to think about it. Um, now, we do have other technologies at MindMaze which are additive. In other words, there's another product being made there called the MindPod, which is a considerably different piece of technology, a different set of video games, different uh, set of 
principles, which is thought to be additive. In other words, you do extra hours of immersive gaming that are in addition to what therapists do with the My Motion Go. So I hope you see that point, which is that there are two technologies, the Mind Motion Go, which is to make therapists technologically better. And then there's the MindPod and other technology that MindMaze make, which are additional. They are like immersive holodecks for the brain that you do after the therapists. And how are those used? Well, the way we've used them in our trials at Johns Hopkins is you basically create a beautiful room, like uh, an immersive space, like an arcade for the brain. And you step into that room, either in a trial or during care, and you basically swim in the ocean as a dolphin for at least an hour or two a day. Uh, and that is in addition to having finished your regular therapy. So the My Motion Go is a very lovely gamifying device that can be brought into any regular clinical space, the inpatient unit, the outpatient clinic, and even the home, which has been the huge benefit of the Mind Motion Go of late is that it is a way to give tele-rehabilitation in the time of COVID-19. So that's one. And then this additional technology, which is more holistic and immersive, uh, more Pixar-like, which you do in addition for many hours, if possible, after your regular therapy. You say for, for more than an hour a day, from a, a design point of view, how challenging is it to make something that keeps a patient engaged? That's a fantastic question as well. So, you know, that is what to make people do um, a lot of movement uh, for many hours a day, for weeks, if not months, you have to do something special that keeps them really engaged. And so we had to develop a novel form of animation, which we call neuroanimation, uh, with a very beautiful kind of character, a dolphin in this case, uh, that the patient would become attached to personally and become and swim in the ocean with. And the type of animation needed to keep people engaged is got to be very special. And in fact, Ed Catmull, you know, the president of Pixar came to see us because he thought this was a wonderful new way of developing animation to keep patients engaged. So you have to do something special and unusual that is both scientifically rigorous, but also emotionally and uh, very engaging. And that's what we did, actually. What's been done to, to validate these? Well, so the MindMotion Go, um, as I said again, it was a device that was meant to and does enhance the quality of regular care. So that has been used in many settings now in Europe and the US uh, with therapists. Um, and to the degree that regular therapy works, the MindMotion Go also works and probably leads to greater therapist satisfaction and patient satisfaction. Um, the novel experiences, the additional, as you put it, have now been subject to some additional trials and are undergoing a series of trials now, including trials funded by the Department of Defense here in the United States. Uh, to the degree that it's been shown to work, we've just completed a trial in acute stroke patients who did it twice a day, five days a week for three weeks, which is an immense amount of extra therapy with the dolphin. And that was better than regular care. And that paper is now online. Uh, we also have recently completed um, a small study in an assisted living facility for the healthy elderly, where they played with the dolphin for an hour a day for 12 weeks, three times a week. 
And that also showed effects on executive function and strength. So it seems as though creating very beautiful immersive experiences for extended periods of time have benefits both in the healthy elderly and in stroke. And as I said, we're now doing a DOD funded study in veterans with traumatic brain injury and other studies around the world to test out this new immersive version of therapy. And from a, a quantitative or qualitative point of view, is there anything you found about the patient experience relative to more traditional types of neurorehabilitation? That's a great question as well. So in addition to our quantitative outcome measures, we've also conducted qualitative studies. In other words, studies, you know, it's a different kind of research study where you ask, you know, sort of formalized way how the therapists and the patients enjoyed the experience from a subjective standpoint. And the results are very, very encouraged. They love it. They, we've had statements like, why have we ever had to have regular therapy? Uh, why can't we do more of this? Can I bring one of these home? Uh, this is like a sport. Uh, so we've had a lot of very positive, subjective, emotional experience. But that, by the way, I should say, people have said the same thing about the Mind Motion Go. In other words, even during regular therapy, uh, patients say that they find uh, the gamification of regular therapy very enjoyable. But then they also say that they love this new uh, neuro Netflix version, which goes on for longer, where they can just become attached to the characters. So from a qualitative subjective standpoint, it seems like patients do like something that is emotionally engaging and gamified. And the more immersive and the more extended it is, uh, the more they get the difference. What's the, the value of gamification? Is it, is it simply a matter of keeping people engaged in, in doing rehabilitative therapy? Or are there other benefits that might be less obvious? Yeah, you, you really do ask the best questions. Uh, that's a very deep question. So I'm going to try and answer it in two parts. Um, one is it exactly what you just said. It probably is a way of just having people spend more what we call time on task, just more time actually doing a therapy. Uh, as you know, right, most people, 40% of people who buy gym memberships never go, right? And people get very enthusiastic about their exercises. They buy their Peloton bikes and then over time, they just stop using it. So, in, so keeping people engaged and compliant for long periods of time, gamification may be a way to do that. You're kind of trying to get people to do candy crush-like feeling. They can't let it go. So that's one idea. The other one is a deeper issue of what's called enrichment, which has been something studied a lot in the animal literature, that you take a rat after a brain injury and put it in a cage with toys and friends and colors, they do much better than if you just leave them alone doing the same exercise. So there's something about something that is emotional and motivational uh, and fun that actually seems to increase the efficiency of trial by trial learning. So there's something about the motivational juice in the activity that actually improves your skill learning. So we feel that something motivating and enjoyable and holistic has brain plasticity effects that are independent of just keeping people on the task for longer. So those are the two effects that we're investigating. I, I imagine if I'm just doing a, a rote exercise, I can do it without being very mentally present. Whereas if I'm using a device like this, I suspect 
my mind is much more engaged. Does that have any kind of a, an effect? Yes, absolutely it does. In other words, there, there seem increasingly we feel like there's a very important connection between the cognitive and the motor. And the more cognitively engaged you are, the better your motor performance. So let me just give a, you know, a concrete example. We've done tasks in the lab where we make people make reaching movements in a sequence, and they can either know the sequence they're going to make, or it's just random. But the movements themselves are exactly the same, to your point. And what we find is that if they know what's coming, they have some cognitive awareness of the kinds of movements they're going to need to make, the quality of the movements they make is improved. So there's a deep connection between the sort of cognitive system and the motor system with, with respect to the quality of the movements themselves. At the same time, my guess is this is not something you just throw on an Xbox or a Nintendo or a PlayStation, that this is something that is more sophisticated. How does this technology differ from conventional video game system? Yeah, that's another great question. I think a lot of people have tried to see whether off-the-shelf games could be used uh, and, re, you know, in a sense, recycled for clinical use. Uh, and what we found, and certainly believe at MindMaze, is that you need to actually build the games with the particular target population in mind. So in other words, the, the reason why the Mind Motion Go um, has been really popular for regular therapists, for, for therapists and patients, is because it was really lovingly designed, both at the level of the hardware and the software, by teams that included therapists and patients along the way. Uh, and so, in other words, there are very different demands that they're ill, the patients are regular, you know, on, in general are older than you know, your average video game player. So I think it needs to be customized. So that's one point. Uh, and two, you know, if you want people to be playing for extended periods of time, you need to go beyond being called a game to being called a sport. In other words, it's a very deep question. Why is it that people can go every weekend for their lives to play soccer or tennis, but you buy the latest PlayStation game, after a month, you're bored with it? So why do games get tired and sports never tire? And so you have to create something, in my view, which is what the mind part is, which is more eternal, like a sport, and less ephemeral, like a game. And off-the-shelf games are, they're by definition meant to be ephemeral because the companies want you to buy the next version. The COVID-19 pandemic has disrupted all kinds of care. What's been the impact of the pandemic on the continuity of care for neurorehabilitation patients? It's been vast. In other words, you know, if you go back to, you know, March, April, May, you know, we were at Hopkins, for example, I think this is fairly universal, dropping to under 10% of visits. In other words, patients were no longer coming for their outpatient therapy. Uh, which has been and continues to be devastating. Um, and so the landscape in general has vastly changed since COVID-19 for all of medicine in the form of telemedicine. But telerehabilitation is a particular challenge because it's more than just a video chat, right? You actually need to physically engage over, you know, you know at a distance. And uh, it turned out, and this is completely... Uh, you know, prescient on the part of MindMaze, if I may say, and this predates my involvement with the company, uh, the MindMotion Go was really designed with the idea that it could be used 
uh, as a tele-rehabilitation platform and in fact had been used as such in Europe before COVID-19, but that has simply taken off since. Um, and, you know, it's a lifesaver, I think. I mean, patients need to have rehabilitation after surgery, after stroke, after brain injury, and not being able to come to the outpatient visits is extremely bad for them. And this has been a way for them to feel the connection and get their treatment uh, beyond a conversation uh, through a video chat and having a system at home. So I think it's revolutionized the way care will be given. And I think it won't go back even if COVID-19 is cured. How does this point to longer term potential for these types of technologies to extend the care of patients into the home? Absolutely. In other words, I think there's, as you know, a increasing move sort of philosophically and scientifically away from illness in the hospital to wellness at home and the spectrum in between. And I think that people uh, are going to be aware that they can get a lot of their care through connections at a distance. I mean, there are many parts of the world, by the way, China, Brazil, uh, India, where there are no therapists, where patients just go home and hope for the best with their families. Um, so not only in the countries like the US or in Europe, but the whole potential to be able to connect with clinical experts at a distance and have a platform at home that allows you to get high quality care, it's, it's going to revolutionize the way that we think of medicine globally. And tele-rehab is a particularly interesting challenge because you need to get physical as well as verbal. John Krakauer, Chief Medical Advisor for MindMaze. John, thanks so much for your time today. Not at all. Thanks for the great questions. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.